Hey guys, oh, welcome to. I'm oh. good. No. Great start. This is going to be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man. I need to go be introvert. Welcome. Hey guys, welcome to Books in the City. I'm Becky. I'm Kayla. I'm Emily. And I'm Libby. Woo. Woo. Yay. Coming to you from actual 2021 this time. Yeah. Yeah, it's our first time talking in the new year. Happy New Year. <sighs> I haven't talked to you guys yeah. since last year. <laughs> that is true, actually. Coming at me for dad jokes. I love that joke every year. That doesn't surprise me, actually. <laughs> Have you seen those, like, old 1950s type videos where it's, like, the old man and then he what? dies and then the baby is the new What year? are you talking Wait, about? What? No. What? Did you never seen that? Like, the the year is symbolized as an old person. And then it like dies and becomes a new baby. That sounds so dark. No, it is dark. <laughs> well, well wow. anyway, 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 it exists. I didn't make it up. I saw it on the internet. It must be true. No, I like forgot how to do this. I know we are like getting it into our groove. Wow. Well, speaking of things that are exciting, <laughs> I don't know who was. We have some announcements. <laughs> announcements. What is that? Announcements. That's how uh, our high school <laughs> announcements were made oh my over God. every day. I thought that that was wow. like a Dora the Explorer reference. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was some <laughs> random high school in Illinois. Okay, well. Anyways, we do have some fun announcements, including... <laughs> fun of what? <laughs> announcements? <laughs> Announcements. <laughs> Rebrand. We have some announcements coming <laughs> oh your <my> way. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> we have some announcements for you. Did I nail it? Announcements. Okay, cool. I'm just going to move I'm in. making us a sticker that is a mint that says oh, announcements. Oh, cute. Ooh. <laughs> but we really do, <laughs> including that great idea. Um, we've had a bit of a chat. And we've come up with some exciting plans for content on our Patreon. As always, we're like excited to talk to everyone, but we were brainstorming some ideas on how to improve the, you know, like stuff that we offer on our Patreon. So um, this year we're planning to do some like official book club picks every month that everyone can like read along with us and we can talk about over there. Um, and then we were thinking about doing read-alongs. So like if one of us is reading a book and you guys want to like hop on board because you were thinking about reading that book, we'll let you know about all that stuff and more behind the scene videos and like individual Patreon takeover videos. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can be a little more interactive on our Patreon page and do a little more like multimedia experience. <laughs> and of wow. course, we're going to keep doing all the fun stuff that we've been doing, like our live streams and for our carry level people, our Zoom calls one on one. <laughs> well, not one on one, but like one on <laughs> face to face. Four on four. You, know, on. you get what I'm saying. Eight. Yeah, or eight. Really <laughs> yeah, we really enjoyed those and we wanted to like 
take that energy and like sustain it beyond the the zoom calls and brainstorm ways so that everyone in the group gets to know each other better because I think it's a fun little community we've got going on so uh yeah and as always we're open to input so if you've got any fun ideas for us let us know um the different like levels you can contribute to our fishbowls that's still an option you can still leave us voicemails and we do receive paper mail so yeah we have an address which you can find on our website and that's not exclusive to patreon so if you want to you know send us something in regard to patreon if you've signed up in the last month um now that we're back from our little kind of holiday vacation that we took your welcome packets will be mailed to you very soon so don't worry we haven't forgotten it's on its way speaking of things that are on their way merch (laughs) is now shipping again so feel free to place any and all orders you'd like um there's still stuff in the shop um we might add some more things we might not you never know so keep your eyes peeled and order what you want and thanks to everyone who continues to support by leaving us nice reviews i've been reading some of those thanks for all the kind words um as emily said one of the things that you can do as a patreon member is you can submit things to the fishbowl you can become a fish with scales and all I'll take care of you, I promise. <laughs> Emily will keep you warm in her festive fishbowl that is decorated per holiday. What's it decorated like right now? Just like snowflakes? Way to put me on the spot. Yeah, it's just like snow themed. Snowfish. <laughs> I'll uh, buddy the elf decorating Ooh. gimbals. Oh, fun. That's a cute oh. aesthetic, I think. Thanks. So yeah, I do have the fish here. <laughs> and I'm going to go for a dive. This fish is named Kate. Thank you, Kate. If you could live in any fictional world, either temporary or permanent, which would you choose and why? Um, I would like to go last so that I can think about it. Ooh. Okay, on. I've been thinking about this a little bit because I feel like we've danced around this, but not really actually formally addressed this question. I can go first if you want. I think I want to live in the Caravel world because I want to know if I could like play the Ooh. the magic circus game like Legends Circus well like I want to know if I could win the game I like that but I would like to visit the like weird worlds of annihilation like Ooh. just the first book oh gosh where because I want to see what's up like because the narrator in that I talked about it in a previous episode there was like a environmental meltdown and they try and figure out like what is happening to the world and I just want to like experience it it doesn't seem like a pleasant place but I want to be like the biologist and see if I could like also figure out what was going on there I haven't read that and we talked about this on the episode that you talk about it but like I've seen the movie and just you talking about annihilation gives me anxiety from seeing the movie yeah that's why I just want to visit it I don't want to live there okay (laughs) abundantly clear and know that you can leave I want to live in the magic circus carnival world I don't want to live in the annihilation world I just want to like check it out (laughs) I want to airbnb it but like with the knowledge that you will be able to leave it yeah yeah that's an important distinction no spoilers yeah that's like an inherent part of the annihilation world I like it. That's a good answer. <laughs> okay. I think I would choose um, the world of Peter Pan. Oh, Peter Pan's like my favorite, like all time favorite story. But Neverland. I do 
Like I couldn't go 100% fantasy world because I, I do love like being alive in this world as well, you know, so I would need the option to come back. So I'm going to go with Peter Pan for like staying young forever. But then when I was ready, like growing up in the real world, you know, I love that. You really struck a chord there, Libby. I used to like (laughs) fantasize about like little Peter Pan, especially the like Jeremy live action. Yeah. The oh live action one that came out when we were kids. I used to be like, would he come Oh my to God. We were just talking about this, Emily. That's hilarious. I know. It's such a good idea. was like, I've never seen that version. I was like, well, it's <gasps> not going to work now because you're like not a child. Don't perp on the little blonde kid. But it's so <laughs> good. He was, he was like such a dream good. boy. Yeah. But also that's just like my favorite all time favorite story i think it's just like such a classic and i it's so lovely good call mine's kind of similar so i kind of had two answers because i misinterpreted interpreted when i first read the question but the world i would choose is the world from the cruel prince i think it's called like elfane but they get you can leave that world and go into the human world and they do that in the book oh Oh, nice so yeah like you can Oh, yes. Yeah. Holly, Holly Black. Black. Holly Black. So okay. you could like go to the mall and then like go back and like hang out with the fairies. But I yes. first th- I thought it meant like which fictional place. And the first thing I said, which this is a slight spoiler to A Court of Thorns and Roses, is Valeris. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. I, like, like I want to go there so bad. Mm-hmm. Which book is that from? The second. And I'm not, I don't want to say anything more about it because it is spoiler I guess it's my turn I'm like really struggling I'm looking at my shelves right now trying to see because I feel like a lot of the books that I love the most just take place in like a different time period in this world not so much a fictional world and like my gut originally was like oh Hogwarts but like that's what I thought you were gonna say I don't want to say that because that's too basic I feel like maybe I'll go with that's where you want to go that's where you want to go I mean I do want to go there I do want to go there but I'm going to go with Tea and Sympathy, which is not technically a fictional place, but the Tea and Sympathy in The Witches of New York. Okay. Hell yeah. And also, we interpreted this completely as books, so you could have gone movies Mm. as well. Uh, We always do that. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) we do like books over here. I don't know. (laughs) It's a book podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to think movies. I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of movies. Mm. Maybe maybe like Midnight in Paris where you can travel. I was just going to say that. In time. I, I feel like that's what also my brain was going to is like a witch in time, like she can time travel or like Addie LaRue, like, but that's not um a fictional place as much as like a magical power. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but maybe Paris of Midnight in Paris. Midnight in Paris. I'll go with that too. Oh, I love that. That's fun. Let us know what fictional world you yeah. want to live in. And if it's Hogwarts, like don't feel basic. That's a great answer. Yeah. I'm I'm not hating. I'm not hating on Hogwarts. <laughs> like obviously that was my gut. Should we talk about books? Yeah. I feel like we should. Yeah. Who wants to go first? I do. Okay. I'm so excited. Oh my God. I know. I'm I so think excited. We're, we're all reading this. I'm cheating. I'm looking at the notes. I read Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. This came out this past October, 2020. I am so obsessed with this book and I'm like extremely happy that I snuck it in at the end of last year because it like ended up being a favorite 
of 2020 for sure. And yeah, as Becky mentioned, we are all reading it or about to start it. So like, obviously, this is going to be spoiler free what I talk about, but we are reading this one for a club in January. So I can't wait. I was talking to somebody else in the book club and she was like, she has also finished it. And she was like, I'm literally researching like tattoos from like, I'm going to get this book tattooed on me it's so i feel like this will be a fun discussion Ooh, oh my god at least two of us are very passionate and just to be clear the book club that we're talking about is like the book club that started this part like where we, we are that not oh, yes. not any book club that we're doing on patreon or on instagram so but stay tuned for book club on patreon and right instagram too irl book club the sorry IRL I should book club. but yeah this one like absolutely solidified Emily Danforth as like an auto buy author for me. Last summer, I talked about uh, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, which was her YA debut novel. And I also loved that one. And this was her adult debut. So I was just curious to see how it compared. Basically, I'm like ready to read whatever she writes, which jokes on me because I think she takes like eight years to write <laughs> books. So I have a long time to wait. But whatever, I'll be here waiting for her next book. Also, this is just like full disclosure. This might be a little bit of like, I can't talk about the plot because obviously I don't want to spoil it for listeners or for you guys who haven't read it, but also because it's about so much and it like, this is a pretty thick book. We like moved our book club a month so that everyone had time to read it. I think it's more than 600 pages maybe. And there's just like so many twists and turns and just like plot wise so much that happens so I will not be getting into all of that but the twists and turns is like part of what made me so obsessed with this book okay so it kicks off right in the very beginning it starts with the story of a tragedy surrounding these two girls named Clara and Florence they are in love with each other and they're obsessed with this memoir by Mary McLean, which is this author who wrote this like kind of scandalous queer memoir. This storyline takes place in 1902. So it's like scandal. Yeah. Like especially scandalous. And is Mary McLean a real person? I meant to look this up. No, I'm pretty sure. No, I was getting confused. This like it's confusing. Yeah. I feel like part of the appeal of this entire book is like how fleshed out and like detailed all of it seems to the point where you're like, oh, like surely some of this is like based in fact or like I had that feeling too where I was like, I should check if Mary McLean really wrote this memoir. But basically, yeah, the memoir is like she is super young when she wrote it and it's just sort of about like alluding to this love that she feels for a woman and Clara and Florence especially are like taken by this memoir and they attend an all-girls school called Brookhans in Rhode Island. At this school, after they've become obsessed with the memoir, they start this club called Plain Bad Heroines and that's in reference to something from the memoir and they're just like very obsessed with it. But this is also like Truly, in the first 10 pages, right away we learn that these two girls are both tragically killed by yellow jackets at the school. It's this gruesome, like, they're in the woods. There's this wild area of the woods that has a bunch of yellow jacket nests, and they are just, like, overtaken by the yellow jackets and die. So... What a way to go. Uh, yeah. And it's like just dis- horrible. Uh, I didn't even know it was possible. But now I keep dreaming about like 
dying from right. a bunch of well, yellow jackets. It's definitely a, the yellow jackets are a theme. I'm not really like gonna get into it, but that's what Laura, another book club member, was like. I'm researching like yellow jacket tattoos. Like I'm about to get like a wasp tattooed on my body. <laughs> So that's like obviously kind of a key moment and the plot takes off from there in this past 1902 storyline. And then there's an alternate timeline that takes place in the present day and it's in Hollywood where a prestigious horror director is adapting a book about this tragedy, about like Clara and Florence dying. He's adapting that into a film. In the present day, we're introduced to basically three main characters. There's Merritt who wrote the book that's based on these like true events in this novel like it's all very like book within a book within a book so I hope this doesn't get confusing yeah so Merritt wrote the book about the incident and she has kind of parallels to Mary McLean because she also wrote this book when she was super young and she has some ties to Brooke Hans, which I'm not really going to get into and the two actresses who are playing Clara and Florence are also the other two like present day main characters their names are Audrey and Harper I feel like this sounds like a ton to remember, but the book does such an incredible job of like really showing like fully fleshed out, clever, smart characters and everyone has very distinctive backgrounds and it's like really easy to keep straight as you're reading it. And it's like so fleshed out that you're like immediately sucked in and you're like, oh, every single character is very real and like I need to know more and it was that was like a really effective strategy I thought without getting too much more into the plot that's kind of the gist of the story we switch back and forth between the past and the present and so the past storyline turns a little bit into like the history of the school like the principal and the founder of the school sort of becomes a main character in the past storyline and you get a little bit more about wait what's that person's name Libby Oh, so fun. <laughs> with an I-E. I love reading books with Libby as the main character because it's like so rare. And I was like, <laughs> Principal Libby, wow. <laughs> but yeah, so you get you get like more about her and how she sort of like came to run this school. A little bit more about like how this memoir by Mary McLean like continued to have like resounding impact on the school and maybe even to the point where it's a little haunted, like we're not sure. And then the present day continues with this kind of mystery and horror elements surrounding the horror film itself and like filming the horror film because they all three of these characters do return to Brocons to like film on location. So that's part of it, too. It was such a cool read for me because you start out and you think it's one thing and then you get your alternate storyline you know like present day timeline and you're like okay so it's like two things and then it turns into like four things in each storyline and then the way that they all come together was just like such a fun reading experience I was just like obsessed turning the pages like crazy couldn't get enough of all of the characters you know when it switched back and forth I was just like pumped to be returning to whichever timeline I was in it was just so well done I thought the perspective is shifting between a ton of main characters but like I said it's super easy to keep them all straight and it was just fascinating to learn more and more about each of them and then the last thing that I feel like made this such a fun read is the narrator of the novel is its own character and the narrator is almost constantly breaking the fourth wall and she's like addressing the reader oh I love that 
you know, she'll be like, read or they did not or whatever. So it gave me like Charlotte Bronte mm-hmm. vibes a little bit. But then there's also like very witty like footnotes with super current day language. Like I'm trying to remember one. I don't know. I wish I like saved an example of this, but it, the narrator itself was just like such a distinct voice and like carried the whole book and it was I don't know the whole the reading experience of this one was so cool because you're like getting wrapped up in these world and then this narrator is like breaking through to make sure you know that oh like I'm telling you a story within a story within a story like remember and so you're like constantly rooted in the story while also looking at it as like this omniscient like perspective. I don't know. I have the book here and I just opened it to a footnote for an example. And one of them is like, did I tell you that Charles had named his car America? I hate him so much. I hate him so much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And there's like little, (laughs) like sometimes the footnote is just like. Just like a comment like your friend would say in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Like the sentence will be like. It was annoying. And then the footnotes, like, it was so fucking annoying. Like, it, it's just like, <laughs> that's not a real example. But like, or they were like little stars. And then they would say, pay attention to this name. And I was like, yes. Oh, that was another one. That's cool. Yeah. You're like, you feel like a friend is telling you the story, but then you also feel like it's a trusted friend. You know, like by yeah. the, they like ease you into this sense of like, I've got you. Like, I'm telling you this story. And it's just I like can't emphasize enough how fun this was to read while also being like scary and creepy and like I don't know at the same time like it balances the fun with the horror so well. It's also extremely queer. I think there's like maybe one straight character like if that. Oh wow. Um, So that's a huge part of it which was cool to read and it's just like I mean I feel like I've already said this but so engrossing like the the way everything is presented I just like fell headfirst into it and like couldn't leave this world until I was like done but I was also trying to drag it out and it just didn't work and I am so obsessed with it yay what did you rate it Uh, five stars can you tell (laughs) shocker yeah I feel like I would give it more (laughs) if I could she's like smiling the whole time Yeah, five stars. And I'm definitely like, I'm not joking. I'm pre-ordering the second Emily um, Danforth announces another book. Like, it's in my card. I'm buying it. I, she's so good. Ugh. So, yeah, that was Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. Um, highly recommend. Becky, what did you read? Okay, I'm excited to talk about this one. So I read The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner. And it comes out on March 2nd, 2021. Thank you to Harlequin Trade and Kathleen Carter for my copy. So this book tells the story of two main women during two drastically different times in history. One of the women, Nella, she's in London in 1791. Nella owns this apothecary. (laughs) This whole episode is us just saying words a little wrong. (laughs) I always struggle with this word, so I apologize if I say it wrong. Can we, like, come up with a nickname for it? Like, a pocky? I think it's called uh, a apothecary. Apothecary. I tried to fuck it up on purpose, and I can't. Apothecary. Anyway. It's really hard to mess up. It's hard for me to say for some reason. Anyway, let's not go on this tangent. Nella owns an apothecary that her mother once ran, and the goal of of the place where you can get potions has always been (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's always been to provide like treatment and help and like remedies to women. But now that Nella has taken over, it has taken this whole new meaning. And Nella brews poisonous potions for women to use to get revenge on the men that have wronged them. So I Whoa. love this. Yes. Quick sidebar. This was mentioned as a footnote in Master of Margarita. It was a real person in like Rome. And I was looking for historical fiction about this person. Mm. It sounds like. Well, I don't know. Vibes. I didn't see anything about that in like the author's note. But who knows? I'm sure somebody like this existed. So anyway, her rules, though, are that these potions that she brews can only be used to kill men and they cannot be used to harm other women. She's like absolutely against that. Her other rule is that she always has to write down the name of the woman who comes to get the potion and administers it and the man who receives it. Like so the murderer and the murdered. She always keeps it down in her like notebook. So one day a 12 year old girl named Eliza comes into the shop to pick up a potion that's going to be used against her mistress's husband. So I guess her master and the young girl she wants to like come back to the shop and apprentice with Nella. She's like obsessed with it. She's like, I need to know more about this. And part of this is because the mistress's husband started to like touch her mm -hmm. and like, you know, just kind of like oh. make advances at her. And since she was the one to administer the poison to him, she feels haunted by him. And it gets into kind of like, you know, she's experiencing like menstrual cramps for the first time and thinks that she's being haunted she, wait, because sorry, of that. Sorry, she is the girl Eliza? Yeah, I'm talking about Eliza oh, okay. here. So Eliza okay. is like experiencing a lot of things and is afraid she's being haunted and she feels like, okay, let me go to Nella. Nella will know what to do. Nella can help me maybe make like a spell. Now, Nella doesn't do any sort of magic. She just like brews potions and she's very against like magic to keep, you know, she doesn't believe in that. But magic does come into play later in the book, but I'm not going to get into that. So then the other timeline and the other main character is in present day and the character is Caroline and Caroline has been planning this anniversary trip to London with her husband for like forever. She's so excited. She has a whole agenda with like cute little couples tours. But right before the trip, she discovers that her husband has been <gasps> cheating on her with somebody from the office. She's obviously furious. And so she decides she's going to go to London by herself. Another thing to keep in mind is that Caroline gave up her entire life basically for this husband. She wanted to go get a master's degree and have a fulfilling career. But he was he's very like analytical and like oh well that's not fiscally responsible you should like do you should go work for your like your family farm and just like do finance for them and it's more secure like this is more secure we should have babies blah 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 so she's given up her life for this man and then he cheats on her so naturally she goes on the trip to london by herself as she should yes any man who tells you it's more financially secure to like have babies than to Go and get educated does not have your best intentions at heart, I feel. Definitely not. Caroline goes to London and she, one of the first things she does is she like kind of stumbles upon this group that is mudlarking. And I don't know if you know what mudlarking is. It's defined in the book, but I did look it up and it means scavenging in a river, in river mud for items of value. So she goes on this like adventure in London mudlarking. And Do she, they find anything? Well, just listen. Wait, was that part of her itinerary? No, she's just walking down the <laughs> street she's like looking for a pub or something and this guy's like come mudlarking with us and she's like wtf and he's like no this is what we're doing as one does she's kind of intrigued she goes to the pub and then as she's leaving she's like maybe i should mudlark and so she mudlarks this tour guide the guy who was like come mudlarking 
he's really enthusiastic and obsessed with history and just like you never know what you're going to find you're going to find what you're meant to find and if you don't find anything today's not the day you know just like he sounds like such a character so watch as I just keep getting like Coors light bottles washed up and you're like I'm just meant to have these Coors light bottles <laughs> anyway so she's mudlarking and she's starting to doubt she's going to find anything like you say like maybe all she's meant to find is a Coors light bottle <laughs> and then she finds a small potiony bottle it's definitely from an apothecary and she's like poison interesting what could this be so that kind of begins caroline's quest to find out where this came from can she go visit this place like does it still exist what was it does it have any sort of significance or is it just like something that's just like super ordinary from this time period so she meets all different kinds of characters. And during this adventure of her looking into the apoth- apothecary, the potion place, you're flashing back to 1791 and Tanella and Eliza and what they're doing in their kind of like adventure. So things start to go awry in the 1700s. I'm not going to say what happens that makes it go awry, but it is like it has to do with whether or not a woman should take the poison. Caroline's personal life follows her to London and also goes awry. So that's all I'm going to say about plot. But I loved this book. If you love history, if you love like, like I love finding out about something random and being like, oh my God, did this exist at this time? And like, oh, was this building here? Just kind of stuff like that. I feel like you would love this if you, if you love that kind of thing. Plus like killing husbands. I don't know. Husband <laughs> 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 murder? <laughs> Not that I, like, <laughs> am down to kill husbands or anything, but, like, you know, it's I'd like to read about it sometimes. <laughs> wow. I don't know if that should go on the internet, but here this we are. This sounds good. It was so good. I know. I'm excited to read it. If your husband disappears in the future, Becky, we have you Okay, on I'm not going to kill a husband. I'm definitely not that kind of gal, but it's interesting to hear, like, the trauma that Nella went through that brought her to the position of taking her mother's you know, shop and making it into this secret like murder thing and the trauma that Caroline's going through that's made her want to like explore and like fixate on this bottle that she finds and how their their stories kind of start to intertwine. It was so good. And I think this was the author's debut. I have a question. So in the 1700s storyline, like the apothecary, are the poisons tailored to the people who come in? Or is there like elements of like magical realism or anything like that? Or is it just like she's straight up creating poisons? So the whole thing is that all of the things that her mother used to make to like help people, if given in a certain dosage, it could be deadly. Mm. So she's not doing anything magical, really. I mean, there is elements of magic because of some other things that happen but I don't want to say because it's like a spoiler but the way it works is like how are you going to give this poison to him like are do you want to put it in his eggs do you want it to be like in his drink do you want it you know like that kind of thing that's how she determines what poison they get it doesn't have to do with like oh well he cheated on you and therefore he gets this poison poison it just has to do with like how it's going to be administered but yeah there are elements of magical realism realism in this book and the ending I'm like oh my god this sounds so good I loved it five star read nobody asked but five star read (laughs) if you couldn't tell so pre-order this and what was that this was the lost apothecary by Sarah Penner nailed it Kayla what are you (laughs) yeah what did Kayla 
<laughs> what, what did you t- <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you know what i'm saying <laughs> okay i read Ooh. the duke and i by julia quinn this came out in 2006 i'm so excited to talk about this so first of all thank you to william Moyer for sending me this book this is book one in the bridgerton series which i'm sure everyone listening knows was adapted to a show for netflix that just came out i think it's like one of the top netflix shows ever so it's everywhere i feel like overnight every single person on on like my twitter and on my texting me was like watching this show it was insane yeah i feel like because it came out on christmas too and like yeah. People weren't really doing anything this year, but I agree. It was just like everywhere. So I have not watched the show yet. I went back and forth my whole Christmas break deciding if I should read the books first or just jumping because I had so much FOMO because it's the show is everywhere right now. Well, then I remembered I own the first book. So I was like, I might as well read it. So I haven't watched it yet. I just finished the book today. There are eight books in this series, one for each Bridgerton child, which I'll get into. And I'm not sure how the show follows it. I saw some things that said season one was book one. Wait, have any of you watched it? No. Nope. Or read them? No. Nope. Okay. I saw something like an article that said season one was book one, but then someone on Bookstagram messaged me and said that there's four spoilers to future books in the show. Oh. But I'm still gonna watch I'm still gonna watch the show. And then it'll just be like whatever when I'm reading the book. So they're not making eight seasons. I guess not. I'm sure they will. I wonder. Yeah, or maybe. But they're just like kind of like Game of Thrones kind of jumbled everything up a bit. I'm thinking it's along like that. So I just have to get this out of the way. There is a rape in this book. I knew the con. I knew what happened before I even picked it up because I've seen it all over the Internet. People were talking about how the show was going to handle it, how they did handle it. I haven't watched it yet, so I'm not sure. It's not what most people think of when they think of rape and I think that's also why there's this huge topic of conversation I'm curious to see how they handle it but in the book it left me feeling like really gross um I'm not going to talk about it after this in the discussion at all just know if you're going to read the book this does happen towards the end so I had no no idea what I was jumping into I've never read like a true romance book and I'm hooked I was so obsessed So there's two main characters. The first is Simon Bassett and then Daphne Bridgerton. And we meet Simon first. The book opens up and you're right into his backstory, which I actually really liked to like get that bit of his history out of the way. And then you're like fully immersed in the story. So Simon is the son of a Duke and you learn that his mom died in childbirth and he wasn't able to speak until he was four years old. And his dad was like, what's wrong with him why isn't he speaking he was like waited forever for his heir and then his son finally arrives and he can't talk and then when he finally does he has a stutter and the dad was like I finally have an heir and he's stupid and he completely disowned Simon has nothing to do with him for the rest of his life and this kind of like sparked something in Simon and he dedicated his whole life to proving his father wrong So he's actually super smart. He went to Eton, which is where William and Harry went to boarding school, and then to Oxford. And then he like left to travel the world. And then you meet him again years later because his dad died and he inherited the dukedom. So Simon is now the Duke of Hastings. Wait, quick interjection. This is Regency England or like modern day? Yeah. Oh, okay. Regency. Yeah. It's um, it's like eighteen fourteen, I think, Mm. around there. So. He comes back to London and he has this reputation as a rake, 
which I learned in my little romance. Or A-K-E? Yeah, I learned in my little romance um, study guide, but it's basically like a playboy. But the thing is that he isn't necessarily one. And like he says a few times, like that reputation is undeserved, but it's there. it's so mysterious. No one ever really knew him. And now here he is. He's obviously beautiful. Right when he gets back, he meets up with his best friend from school, Anthony Bridgerton, who is the oldest of the Bridgerton siblings. And they're kind of catching up, talking about like the London social scene. And Anthony's like, oh, you need to meet my sister, Daphne. But not in the sense of like, you need to meet her and marry her. Like he means it completely platonic. So that brings us to Daphne, who is our other main character. She's one of eight children. She has three older brothers. And then there's three younger sisters and a younger brother. The younger siblings weren't really a part of this book but every Bridgerton sibling has their own book so eventually in the series like you will learn about them the older brothers are in the book like a a lot I actually really like them they were like fun so Daphne is looking for her husband and she's been proposed to a few times and she's turned them all down she's quote unquote not like other girls (laughs) she's (laughs) is her name Zoe Deschanel (laughs) yeah (laughs) She's, like, not super girly. She can punch. Like, there's a a few instances where she's punching someone. She speaks her mind. But I thought it was interesting that she, despite all that in the time period she lives in where there's this pressure to find a husband, she's like, I actually want a husband and I want to have children because she's from this huge, happy family. One thing I quickly wanted to point out, I've seen people online saying that Anthony, who's the oldest brother, is, like, super overbearing, kind of in a negative way. But I think it's important to note, like, because of the time it takes place in, since their dad is dead, he's the head of the family. And in this society, it means that he had to basically act as Daphne's father. And, like, people who wanted to propose to Daphne had to go to Anthony. So that becomes a huge part of this. Because Daphne and Simon meet. They have, like, this wild meet cute and they start a friendship but then one day they decide to fake date oh as friends oh hell yeah yes so simon goes into it because all these women are pursuing him because he's like this beautiful new single duke and he's like super rich and for daphne if she's seen with the duke of hastings and all these other men who always like kind of glanced over her will now start paying her attention So their scheme works for a bit, but then feelings start to develop. Things happen and dot, dot, dot. I just like, I loved it so much. Yeah. dot. I literally have written dot, dot, dot. (laughs) I loved them so much. Like things do get steamy. I would say I've read like things that were like, I guess hotter, but like this was still fun to read. Was it open door steam or closed door steam? Well, Well, there was some in public in the garden steam. But uh, a lot of closed door steam. Uh, yeah. Ooh. But I really love them. I ship them so much. I'm so excited to like actually watch it. But I really, really enjoyed reading Especially about the, the Bridgerton family. Open in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how they adapt that. <laughs> but the Bridgerton family themselves was my favorite part. Like her three older brothers were so overprotective and she like didn't take any of their shit and it was like funny and fun to read and then her mom was so cool and like the younger siblings were cute I am going to continue the series and I'm excited to learn more about each sibling individually and I just I have to ask this that's put out a PSA because I cannot track down any physical copies of this series apparently they're like not sold so if anyone knows where they're for sale please message me otherwise I'm just going to download the ebooks but did you check 
book depository. Oh, no, that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, I should do Mystery that. How'd you read? You already owned the first one. So they re-released the first one with like the oh, Netflix okay. cover. And if anyone's looking, I spotted it at Target. But the rest of them, I'm assuming they might huh. like reprint. I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was a five-star read, except for that scene I mentioned in the beginning. I loved everything about it. And I'm so excited to watch and continue on. And what was this? This was The Duke and I from the Bridgerton series by Julia Quinn. Boop, boop. Emily, what did you read? Okay, so I read a book that was recommended to me by one of our Patreon members, Haley. Thanks, Haley. So I read The Snowman by Joe Nespo. It came out in 2007 and was translated from Norwegian by Don Bartlett. It was not, so it was kind of on my radar because it's part of a detective novel series that Paul Holes, I think, from the Murder Squad had (laughs) mentioned, and I see it. Shout out Paul Holes. (laughs) Paul Holes. And also, I see it recommended sometimes on the Crime by the Book uh, page. Oh, yeah. She's a big Mm -hmm. fan of Joe Nespo. But this is my, like, first time reading this author. The book opens up. And this young boy is, like, left in a car in the middle of a snowstorm while his mom goes inside a house to have, like, an illicit affair with her, this person she's cheating with. Yikes. Huh. Good start. (laughs) It's the first, like, snow of the night, and this little boy's sitting outside, and he notices this snowman just kind of, like, chilling, and he feels like it's staring at him. You know, he's sitting out alone in the car, so that's got to be a bit creepy. Is it Jack Frost? I don't know. And then when his mom gets back from, you know, doing her business, uh, the little boy is like in the car and he's telling her about the snowman. And then he says, he like whispers very creepily, we're going to die. Thanks, kiddo. What? He whispers to his mom? Oh my God. Yeah. Mm -mm. Flash forward to the present, and our main guy is Harry Holes, um, and he's a detective working a case of- I'm sorry, what is his name? (laughs) Harry Holes. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Well, I didn't think about that. (laughs) I didn't either. I was going to say, is he related to Paul? I know. Uh, no, no relation. Sorry. Come on, He's Becky. Fictional. Ew. Becky. My daughter got a Becky. Right. Harry Holmes. <laughs> it's just funny because he's got a... F- I never thought of it as a funny name because he doesn't have a funny personality. It's very just like, call him Harry from here very on like out because I won't be able to not giggle. Detective Holes <laughs> is working the case of this disappearance of a married woman she disappears in the middle of the night and leaves her husband and child behind. This isn't Harry's first case. He's a seasoned professional and kind of that like classic hardened detective, you know, like a little bit taciturn. He doesn't say much. Bit of a womanizer. Seems like he's struggling <laughs> with alcoholism and kind of like works alone, bit of a loner and uh, without fail gets the job done like no one else can. <laughs> So eventually this case kind of weaves into some cold cases from the past, including a series of murders where married women who are disappeared and are later found in the middle of the night dismembered and reassembled into the body of a snowman. Oh, what? So, what? <laughs> right? It's kind of gruesome. 
this is likely the work of a serial killer, which is a big deal because it takes place in Norway and people think, oh, there's no serial killers in Norway. And so this serial killer goes under the moniker The Snowman, as you can probably tell. The rest of the story kind of weaves in and out of past and present and future, different narrate or not different narrators, but different like viewpoints. And we soon discover if our renowned detective falls. <laughs> has found his uh, his match in the snowman. Wow. I liked it because I don't read a lot of serial killer novels, but I liked the cat and mouse game that goes on between a serial killer and their partner detective. I like the way that the book was written. Like the style was very minimalistic and little things that were brought up in the beginning, just like narrative tricks if, there was some story playing on the news radio by the end that came up again. So it was just like little themes that tied back to oh. it. So I found myself appreciating the writing a lot, like more than I would in other mystery series. Like Tana French's writing is like beautiful from a literary perspective, but I felt like the writing in this was good in a sense that it really like pulsed the plot forward. It felt like an action movie. Some of the... Oh, nice themes and just the overall vibe to it felt like I described it in my review as a Daniel Craig Bond movie like really well done (laughs) the action felt very like cinematic and it was kind of like twisty turny a little bit not super based in reality you know like sure that could happen but it feels Mm -hmm. a little bit like heightened reality and then the Bond character kind of similar aspects to him a little like grizzled and a lot of alcohol and a lot of sexism towards the women. Um, that was a bit of like a weird thing to wait. When was this to get behind? Or when did this come out? This came out in two thousand seven. The present day plotline took hmm. place in two thousand four. It's a little bit dated, but still, I think there's like this flavor of, especially like when the male inner thought male characters were looking at women in the book. It just felt like unnecessarily creepy, mm. but. I mean, this was also like a serial killer hunting women. So there was a lot of like gender dynamics that played Mm -hmm. into the MO of the murderer. It's funny that it felt cinematic to me because it did actually get adapted into a movie recently in 2017 with Michael Fassbender as Detective Harry Holes. And I watched the trailer and the trailer like got me jumpy. Some of the visuals were like, I must have edited those in my brain because I remember the subways were like papered with ads for this movie or show or whatever. Do you remember? You are right because there's this yeah visual of like it looks like a snowman's head Uh with like two eye slits Uh and that was everywhere. Yeah, I yeah yeah so year I feel like that's all you would see. It's very eerie. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a gross. Emma, I don't know. I think you can read the book if you're freaked out by gore you could mentally edit it down like I did because it was weirder to watch the trailer than to like read the way it mm-hmm. was written I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes any sense and then the other thing is that you know like I mentioned it's not like Harry Hole's first case that he works on so this is actually the middle of the detective series so it's book number seven um, and I was really oh. like worried about if that would impact my reading experience I felt like it didn't necessarily, but there was definitely allusions to other things happening in other books. Like there are characters who are going through things in this book that I feel like if I had been introduced to them before, it would have made the reading experience way more like 
edge of my seat because I would have been like, oh, my God, those people, you know, like they're in danger. Whereas like I didn't have the history with some of the characters. So I was just like, oh, that sucks. Ugh. You know, <laughs> like I did enjoy it. And you can definitely pick it up like, you know, mid-series like I did. I'll probably go back and read the other ones because um, I liked it enough that I would continue. I think it's well done. There was some good plot twists in there. It felt like a vacation to Norway. This is my first like Nordic noir mystery crime novel. I didn't even do like <gasps> Girl with the Hornet's Nest or whatever. Oh, I think you I, might I like that, that series. But No, I know. Why are we talking about hornets so much <gasps> hey, today? The theme. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I screwed that up. It's Girl with a Dragon girl Tattoo. Who kicked the, <laughs> girl who kicked the Hornet's <laughs> Nest is like a different <laughs> later in the series. <laughs> Yeah, it's like number two book or whatever. Yeah, so like there's this whole, that's like, I've learned to appreciate that that's like a whole subgenre of crime from following crime by the book. She seems to like Same. have a really good breakdown of genre. And so I it the books are written in like a style that feels very like gritty and I don't know, it deserves to take place in a snowstorm kind of thing. And I liked it. Overall, it was pretty good. It was exciting enough that when I was home reading it with family, I would be like, shush, shush. <laughs> let me, <laughs> I'm busy trying to figure out what's happening here. What did you rate it? I gave it four stars because ultimately the sexism was annoying to me. You don't have to justify. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think it would have been five stars. It feels like it was probably the climax of like the events in the series. And it probably would have been like, whoa, five stars. I'm hooked if I had the history from like book one. So yeah. um, I did the dirty work for you if you're thinking about starting this detective series. It's a good one. So I would start at the beginning or start here because it's winter probably wherever you are. And you're never going to look at a snowman the same again. Oh, God. And what was this <laughs> called? The Snowman. By who? Joe Nespo. What's up next for you? A uh, bit of a switch gear here. The Age of Innocence <laughs> by Edith Wharton. <laughs> oh, getting those classics in. Yeah, I just want to read about tired, rich New people. York ladies. The turn of the century. <laughs> Becky, what's up next for you? The Ravens by Danielle Page and Cass Morgan. What's that? It's a YA book about a so college sorority <gasps> of witches. Okay, fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. Kayla, what's up next for you? I'm going to do The Wrong Family by Taryn Fisher. She wrote The Wives, yeah. which is like a big thriller at the end of 2019. And this is her new one. So we'll see. Libby? Um, I'm going to read poetry i think citizen by claudia ranking and where can you be found online i'm at sleep run read repeat i'm at becky in the bookshelves i'm at the lazy library i'm at k red what and you can find all of us at books in the city pod make sure you're using our hashtag my books in the city whenever you're reading something we inspired you to read or with our merch Please make sure you're subscribed, following, whatever you have to do on whatever podcast platform you're on. Join our fan club for a bunch of fun stuff. Shop the merch store. All of that can be found at booksinthecitypod.com. Thank you to our Carrie Level producers, Diane Worth, Riley Harrell, Carrie Kissinger, Kat Martin, Brenna Collins, Amanda Borgia, Elizabeth Jamka, and Susie Southwick. Yay! If you've Yay. made it this far... Leave oh, us right. a comment telling us what your favorite fictional 
place is Places. that you would like to visit and give us emojis <gasps> that vibe with that place. Yeah, or just Ooh. leave the emojis of the fictional place and like Ooh. we can edit it. I like that. That's fun. Do that. Do that one. Yeah, what Livy said. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Oh, I don't know why I always wave. <laughs> we Bye. love you. Thank Happy you for being here today. <laughs> <laughs>